In May of 2005, Joseph Edward Duncan murdered Brenda Grown, her son Slade Grown, and her fiancé, Mark McKenzie, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. He kidnapped Brenda's younger children, Shasta and Dylan. Forty-eight days later, Shasta was rescued, and her brother Dylan was dead. and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Grauer, here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Katie. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? While it's going good, we we have a weird uh, interspecies mothering situation going on. <laughs> our, oh, do tell. Our little sow, Fiona, has decided that she will now be the mother of one of our puppies, but only one. Oh. She is in love with Luca, the little brown one. Mm-hmm. And she won't leave him alone. But he lets her. And maybe that's why, because Bruno runs from her. But mm-hmm. she flips him on his back and sniffs his belly up one side and down the other. And when he's outside, she's marching around, kind of keeping a close eye and, you know, looking at all the rest of us, like, get away from my baby. And this morning... <laughs> She came into my bedroom before it was time to get up. Thanks, Fee, you bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> flipped their crate over, trying to spring them, trying to get them out. Oh, my hell. Yikes. Yeah. So we have to keep a close eye on this because she's being crazy. And anyway, poor little Bruno is just, he's not having it, but she's not interested in him. This is, it's not. She just wants to mother Luca. So anyway, this has been uh, interesting to watch. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah. Life with pigs, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. The, the Life last with time pigs we had a puppy, and beer chihuahuas. What a combo. Right? <laughs> last time we had a puppy in the house, she did this with her for a while, too. Uh, until she accidentally right. hurt her. She didn't hurt her, but she made her yip. And it mm-hmm. scared her. And she ran outside. And her feelings were so hurt, she wouldn't even come in later. And no. Doesn't want anything to do with that puppy anymore. She's now a young dog who comes over here when my son's in town. And she still doesn't want anything to do with her. So I I don't know how this is going to end. Now, rest assured, we're watching very closely because Luca is a tiny guy. He weighs three pounds. So, you know, we're all over it. There's no unattended uh, activity with them and won't be. But anyway, it's, it's something to watch. You know, it really sounds like it is. Yeah. So how are you? I, I am great. Uh, we've been camping. I'm headed to California this weekend. Like, yeah. I feel like summer is in full swing and I'm actually getting out of my house. Yeah. And after two years of COVID, it feels pretty darn good. I got to tell you. It does. Just, I don't want to be the sky, but don't be going and getting monkeypox. I really think the monkeypox thing is overblown. There's such a small number of cases. I'm just not too worried. Have you seen what it looks like? I have, have yes. Pox? And it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting monkeypox. Oh. Yeah. No, I, mm. I don't want to get monkeypox either. Definitely. Just saying. 
Do not be getting monkeypox. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do my best. But, and all of you, don't be getting monkeypox, for God's I sake. I will be wearing my mask on the plane and, you know, yes, protecting please. myself and sure. being aware of my, you know, immune-compromised situation. So, yes, I will. But, yeah, I, I have no intentions of getting monkeypox. All right, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. You don't want to, you won't. That's what they say, so. Well, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is our Tuesday episode, and we're going to kick it off with some WTF news. Do you recognize one of these? Well, I sure do. <laughs> Is that a fossil? Is that a fossilized VCR tape? It, this is a VCR tape from Blockbuster mm -hmm. with a fancy VCR. It's a forehead. I mean, this was one of the really nice ones. You oh, know? wow. It probably weighed about 100 pounds. You know how they went. Probably, anyway. yeah. <laughs> well, one of these little suckers got a lady to catch a charge for a felony. What? So <laughs> this poor lady in Texas was trying to update her married name. And when she went to update her married name, she discovered that she has been charged with a felony. <laughs> she didn't know? No, from 20 years before. So this was during COVID. She'd made an appointment to change her driver's license. And when she got there, they looked her up in the system and they said, well, ma'am, you, uh, you have an issue you need to solve in Oklahoma. And she was very surprised. She has no criminal history. She's never been in trouble. And she discovered from calling the Cleveland County District's uh, Attorney's Office in Oklahoma that she is a wanted felon. Her name is Karen McBride. Nice oh, lady. Dear. Never broken the law in her life. Except for she has. And she's a felon. And it was for felony embezzlement. So she said she first felt like she was definitely going to have a heart attack. <laughs> then she learned what the crime is that she had committed. And if you'll believe this, this is all Sabrina the Teenage Witch's fault. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because that because was of course it is. the VHS she had not returned. Yep. They were not kidding. In 1999, somebody rented a copy of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in her name from an Oklahoma video store called Movie Place. When no one returned the cassette, charges were filed. And she it's a no felony? Idea. How is that a felony? In March of 2000, she was charged with felony embezzlement of rented property. The charges state that McBride did willfully, unlawfully, and feloniously embezzle a certain video cassette tape. Sabrina, the teenager. John Cryer, write this? What? <laughs> the value of which is $58.59. Now, McBride is shocked. <laughs> because, first of all, she says... Just for the record, she doesn't even like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and doesn't think she ever rented that. Does she live Secondly, in Oklahoma? Uh, she did. She did. Okay. Yeah. But she says she has not watched that show, would have never rented it, and also always returned her movies. I bet she even was kind and did the rewind. Mm -hmm. I'll bet she did. 
Then she started tracking back the timeline. And at that time, she lived with a young man who had two kids that were eight and ten daughters. And she's thinking maybe they rented something on her account and didn't return it. Mm -hmm. She doesn't ever really know. However, she said since 1999, she has been fired from a handful of jobs for no reason and with employers that were unable or unwilling to give her a reason and has also not been able to, uh, you know, get through a background check and could never figure out why. And well, it's because she's a wanted felon. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. Now that's insane. Lucky for her, the Cleveland County district attorney's office has announced that they are going to dismiss the case against her. She still is going to have some legal intervention necessary to have the felony charges cleared from her record. So she's still going to have to pay for an attorney to file some stuff to get this off of her record. (sighs) But there you go. Wow. So, you know, any of you forgot to return to Blockbuster, you might want to be checking that out. Yeah. Well, it turns out she's not the only one. In 2016, a man in North Carolina was uh, pulled over for a busted taillight and got arrested for felony charges because apparently in 2002, he never returned the movie Freddy Got Fingered. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. that's not embarrassing at all. Um, The, The man said, the officer said, I don't know how to tell you this. But there's a warrant out for your arrest from 2002. Apparently, you rented the movie Freddy Got Fingered and never returned it. I thought he was joking, said the man, but he was not. So, Did he admit to watching that movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there you go. If you uh, have feloniously uh, <laughs> not returned a tape to Blockbuster once upon a time, you too could be a felon. Wow, that is, seems a bit extreme for a VHS tape. Uh, the value of which was $58. Wow. I mean, okay. all your fault, Sabrina, the teenage witch. Right? Sure yeah. is. Oh, wow. I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for our main case. Okay. Last year, we talked to you about a man named Joseph Edward Duncan. He is a serial killer that was convicted in Idaho, and he died last year. He had a brain tumor, and he opted, and he was on death row, by the way. Uh, He was convicted of multiple crimes that put him on death row, Mm -hmm. and he opted not to have any medical care, and uh, eventually he did die. Mm-hmm. But we have never actually told you the story of what he did and the honestly tremendously heroic survivor, soul yeah. survivor of his crimes. And that is Shasta Grown. Mm-hmm. Shasta Grown was eight years old at the time that she was kidnapped by Duncan. She and her younger uh, and her one year older brother, Dylan. So I'm going to tell you this story because Honestly, Shasta Grown is a badass. 
-hmm. And she was recently, People Magazine recently did an article on her. And I saw that and I went, you know, we should tell you about her because she is an amazing person. Yeah. And what she survived as an eight-year-old child, unbelievable. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Joseph Edward Duncan. He died um, March 28, 2021, uh, in prison. He was from Tacoma, Washington. And his criminal history started when he was 15 years old. Mm. Um, in 1980, he went, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison for sexually assaulting a boy in Tacoma. Um, but it turns out he actually sexually assaulted way more kids than mm -hmm. that. Although he didn't necessarily get charged with most of those things. He actually spent all but eight years of his adult life in prison. But unfortunately, in 1984, he was paroled. And he only stayed out of prison for three years. Oh, boy. And he so he went back to prison in 1997. Then he was released again in 2005. Mm. Or maybe 2004. Anyway, he was released again. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about cases like this where someone just keeps getting released re even though they've committed really heinous crimes. And mm -hmm. this is definitely one of those cases where every time this guy got out of prison, he just killed more people. Yeah. yeah so we'll get is... back to what he did between 94 and 97 because the police didn't know about what he did in 94, 94 to 97 until after what happened to Shasta Grown's family. Mm-hmm. So this happened in Kootenai County, Idaho. Uh, it's it's near Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a, a city in northern Idaho. So in May of 2005, authorities found the bodies of Brenda Grone, her 13-year-old son. Uh, why did I? Where did I lose his name? <laughs> Sorry. Brain fart. Anyway, her 13-year-old son, I'll find the name in just a second, mm -hmm. and her uh, her fiancé at the time, his name was Mark McKenzie. Mm -hmm. When they found them, Brenda Grone's two youngest children were missing, Shasta, who was eight, and Dylan, who was nine. This was a huge deal in Idaho. I remember oh, yeah. this case very clearly. Because there was a huge manhunt for him. And he had these two little children. And yeah. they did not even have a clue where they were. And, you know, there were mm -hmm. a couple of sightings. People weren't totally sure. It was really, really scary. Mm -hmm. He was on the run with the grown children for seven weeks. Mm. And in that time, he traveled across state lines. He took them to Montana. And then he brought them back into Idaho. Oh, Slade grown. Sorry. I don't know. I couldn't remember that. But the 13-year-old son who was killed, Slade grown. Slade. So what happened when Shasta was saved? This happened on July 2nd of 2005. Mm -hmm. So this is seven weeks later. They went into a Denny's restaurant in Coeur d'Alene kind of wonder why he did that because they right. were missing from Coeur right they went into Denny's restaurant and 
several people in the restaurant recognized Shasta because her picture was everywhere in Idaho and particularly everywhere in Northern Idaho. Mm -hmm. So the restaurant staff called the police and several of them just sort of stood by the front doors to make sure that Duncan could not leave. Yeah. Police came and arrested him and took Shasta. Um, Shasta told them who she was. Mm -hmm. They took her right to the Kootenai Medical Mm -hmm. Center for medical treatment. And then she went to be with her father. And Duncan was charged on kidnapping charges. And he had an outstanding federal warrant. So part of what had happened is after he was released from prison this time, he had committed um, sexual assault of a child and he went on the run and he was in Idaho on the run Mm -hmm. when he killed the grown family. Not long after they caught him, um, you know, Shasta, even at eight years old, was a very bright child. Yeah. And she was able to help them with figuring out where, Dylan was because at this point, right. seven weeks later, no Dylan. No Dylan. Yeah. Unfortunately, what happened to Dylan is over the time that they were being held by Duncan, he was sexually abusing and torturing these kids, particularly Dylan. <sighs> they found Dylan's body in a campsite and Duncan had shot Dylan in the head with a cutoff shotgun. And how Shasta did some things that were really, really smart. Not long after Duncan killed uh, Dylan, he told Shasta that he was going to kill her too. And he asked, would she rather die by a gun or be strangled? Mm Mm-hmm. She said she'd rather be strangled. And he put a rope around her neck and he pulled it really tight. She had been paying attention to him. And she asked him to stop. And she called him by his nickname, which was Jet. And somehow she was able to make a bit of a connection with him. And he stopped. When she called him that, she stopped. He stopped. And then he decided he was going to take her to meet his mother. And that's why they headed back to Idaho, to Coeur d'Alene. And that's ultimately how she escaped. Wow. I'll show you a picture of Shasta then, then and now. This yeah. is Shasta when she was a little girl. These pictures of Shasta with that long brown hair. We saw those pictures everywhere when mm-hmm. they were so the, the trial of um, Duncan was really long and drawn out. And some of it happened in Idaho and some of it was federal. And then there was a trial in California. So he was convicted of multiple murders. He was sentenced to multiple life sentences as well as multiple death sentences. But mm-hmm. once they got a hold of him, they realized that they ought to start looking back into his history because it seemed that he could not stop offending while he was out. And the few 
amounts of time in his life as an adult that he was out. Mm-hmm. So they connect him to the murder of Anthony Michael Martinez in Beaumont, California. He was killed on April 4th of 1997. Mm-hmm. During that time, you know, mm-hmm. a cool thing. In July of 2005, bloggers, you know, true crime people, mm-hmm. notice similarities between pictures of Duncan and the composite sketch of who was believed to have killed Anthony Martinez. And that's how they made the connection. Wow. But then they kept looking because they just did not believe for one second that this was where it ended. And it isn't right. Two more little girls that he killed in 1996, Sammy Jo White, who was 11 and her half sister, Carmen Kubias, who was nine. Oh, my God. And they were, they disappeared in Seattle. And their skeletal remains were found in uh, 1998 in Bothell, Washington. Okay. And he actually confessed to their deaths. He didn't face trial for their deaths. I mean, he had so many. Right. You know, at some point they kind of went, okay, you know, like we can only kill this guy one time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was, though, convicted of the death of Anthony Martinez, as well as the deaths of the Gronick family and um, the kidnapping and sexual assault of Shasta and mm-hmm. Dylan. So I tell you all of this because, as you can imagine, Shasta's had a bit of a rough go. Yeah. She's been through a lot. The last mm-hmm. couple of years, things have gotten a lot better for her. Yeah. After Duncan died in 2021, she made a statement to the news. Today, I woke up feeling like my soul was finally free. I hope other people affected by Joseph Duncan were able to wake up feeling this way. Yeah. Such a relief to know that he was just gone. The Kootenai County Sheriff's Office believes that he stalked the grown family and planned this in order to take Shasta and Dylan because they, mm-hmm. a weird thing about um, Duncan is that he wasn't preferential between genders. Mm-hmm. Most of his victims were boys, but he had plenty who were girls as well. Mm-hmm. And so to get a brother and sister yeah, right in the age range of his interests, mm-hmm. just awful and gross. Um, At the time, the sheriff's office called this one of the worst tragedies Idaho has ever seen. Yeah. Um, You know, we've seen some pretty bad shit down here on the lower half of the state recently as well. Yeah. But um, But this case will definitely live in infamy. It will. It absolutely will. And and I just, I'm very proud of Shasta Grown. Yeah. Because she has been through so much. She has, and she struggled there for a bit with a, a drug problem and had a few legal troubles of her own. She but did, she and just, hell, who wouldn't? Right? My gosh. Yeah. She lives in the Boise, Idaho area now. She's married. Mm-hmm. She has four sons and mm-hmm. um, a fifth due in August. And she loves being a mom. She is way into makeup, like glam makeup. She said that's one of the things that really helps her when she's feeling down mm-hmm. is that she um, she does her makeup, which I think is cool. Like yeah. She's found some ways to be okay. Yeah. And I just really, 
I just want to honor her for that reason, because after what she's been through, she's, she's a rock star. Absolutely. I mean, she survived not only him, but after. Yeah. Imagine the after. The aftermath of your mother and both of your siblings being dead. Yeah. Yeah. And your soon to be stepdad. I mean, Mm -hmm. horrifying. So I just wanted to share Shasta's story with you all because I just really think she's a badass. And I think that it's important for us to remember childhood victims like Shasta Mm -hmm. and, and, and see where they're at, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and make sure that they're getting the support they need. And it appears that she is. And I just, Mm -hmm. I just think that's pretty great. I do too. I think it's amazing. Good on her. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Katie, I know that you have a crime update for us. I do. What's the one thing, do you think, that a romance novelist and a mystery romance novelist should never do? Uh, Kill her husband. Well, Nancy Brophy did not get the memo. Now, we've talked (laughs) about Nancy a few times because her child's been going on uh, for the last little while in Oregon. And Nancy was accused of murdering her husband. Nancy had done some things that uh, kind of set her up for failure here. Uh, The first thing is that, uh, you know, most of her novels included, you know, potentially a husband being murdered in some way. And she wrote an essay back in 2011 about all of the reasons and ways to kill your husband. So, Nancy. That's a real red flag right there. WTF. Well, for seven weeks, they fought it out in court. And the prosecutor showed that the day her husband was murdered at the culinary school that he worked at, he was shot, that her van was seen on CCTV in the area. They were able to show that they were in a financial downward spiral that was uh, just about to completely plummet them. And all the while they were paying, she was paying out of the family budget about a thousand dollars a month in life insurance and uh, retirement stuff for him. Oi, oi. They also were able to prove that she purchased a ghost gun online and then traded out the barrel on that gun for a different one. And lots of other things. The challenging part was that. Uh, she had a rock solid defense. <laughs> okay. And the main argument of the defense was there is no possible way that Nancy could have killed her husband. There's no possible way. And do you know why? I do, but please tell us. Boys and girls, it's because of love. Because <laughs> she was so in love with him that she couldn't have possibly killed him, bro. There's no way she did it. And that's our proof case closed. Let's go home. <laughs> but the jury said, gosh, Nancy, the problem is we think you did it because all yeah. of the evidence says, oh, yes, yes, you did. Yeah. And so Nancy was, in fact, found guilty of her heinous crime. 
her niece had uh, testified on her behalf, and she said that their romance was a storybook, endless love, and that she personally observed Nancy grieving, crying, sobbing, breaking down many times after Dan Brophy's death. Therefore, she couldn't have done it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I loved him and I've been crying. I'm, I'm innocent. Yeah. Yep. It's looking a whole lot like, well, she did because the jury said so. So now Nancy's been found guilty. So we'll keep an eye out for the sentencing period of this case. Uh, not sure what the defense is going to come up with now since love failed. But uh, I'm guessing that Nancy's not a spring chicken. I'm guessing she'll be going to prison for the rest of her life. Pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure. Yep. So there you have it. Well, wow. We have been waiting around for that verdict for a while because there was a, a COVID outbreak that ran through yeah. that trial and lots Slowed of things yeah. slowed it all down. Wow. Well, you know, hindsight might be 2020, but I don't know. Do you think she knows how much she implicated herself by writing that essay? <laughs> well, she she messed up one other way, actually. While she was in jail, she basically... Uh, confessed to a jailmate uh, she right. showed her by her arm's length exactly how far uh, she and or someone who held the gun was standing from Dan Brophy when they shot him it looks like from what I can gather she snuck up on him while he was chopping vegetables prepping for a class at his culinary institute or the culinary institute where he worked and shot him in the back so he didn't know she was there. Yeah. So anyway, she did a lot of silly things. So Nancy, I don't know, dude, just write some books from prison now. I'm curious. I guess. Yeah. But Dan Brophy's mother is very relieved. I'm and sure. he has an adult son from a previous marriage as well. That uh, They're very relieved. This has been a really long, drawn out, shitty process for their family. So yeah. they finally have some peace. Well, yep. for that, I am glad. Yeah. Well, this is our when or Tuesday case, our Tuesday episode. <laughs> we will be back tomorrow with yep. a another great episode, followed by uh, our case updates live stream at mm -hmm. seven PM Mountain on Wednesday night, and the Psychic Hour uh, that is also a live stream at seven PM Mountain on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't start. forget to like, subscribe, share, and comment. That helps us grow. Mm -hmm. Take a look at us over on Patreon, patreon.com, True Crime Paranormal. We uh, have lots of extra content over there. If you become a patron, you will get access to way more cases. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. So thank you all so much for being here. You know it. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. <laughs>